Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of education, hospitality, podcasting, making a movie, and ruining a Marvel sequel. Today's guest is the amazing industry veteran himself, Mr. Eric Castro of Boilermaker NYC, Polite Provisions, and now this most recent project, Simple Serve, he and Chris Patino serving the industry in a branding, marketing, and competitive analysis way from within the industry for the industry. We'll learn more about that here in the future, but he and I sat and chatted about his new movie, Bartender at Large, a podcast-turned-road-tripping full-length movie. We chatted right before the screening about Eric's proclivity towards creativity, moving to the next target, and he learned how to be a filmmaker in the process. The Bartender at Large movie is a great shift from the podcast, and I really encourage us all to check this out together. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with the legend himself, Mr. Eric Castro. First came out, it's kind of evolved into something else. When we first started it, maybe we've been on, on we're getting close to a year now. And it was one of those things where it's like we first just started out, it was, you know, it was just people joke around talking about the first time they got hammered, and, right. you know, kind of just usual stories. And it's like, I feel like as with time, as it's like evolved into something a little more intense. Yeah. You know, for instance, I mean, this last episode, one of our most popular episodes we've had so far is talking about like how to deal with social anxiety and career burnout and you know we just in like valuable and you, you kind of feel lessons. like yeah. you know before we recorded i was like oh man this is kind of a downer i wonder if people aren't going to dig it as much but you're like oh, you know you, you can't censor yourself so no, like, you all shouldn't. right let's just yeah. go with it you know and and the, the feedback from it i mean we've just gotten tons of emails and messages and on facebook and instagram yeah. on it and it's just so cool you know there's something everybody's dealing with and something we need to confront we're people right mm-hmm. now I own a distillery, so I'm on a little bit different side of the yeah. business, right? But I, I, you guys are we're all friends, you know? Yeah. But the thing is, like, what is a friend? And I had, I had a conversation last night with this guy, great dude from Dallas, and he's been divorced twice. Mm-hmm. He's got a kid. And I'm like, yeah, I know you work in the industry, but how often do you really go deep with somebody? And that, mm-hmm. to me, is like a larger problem, like an epidemic in that it's so transactional at the time. Yeah. You never get that deep. How do you feel about that? I mean, I I feel obviously it's like I I feel like it's unique in terms with the hot with hospitality trade that most of us got to where we are because we're just we have good social skills and we're gonna interact with people. <laughs> yeah. So we, we tend to treat others with like you know respect and dignity, and we treat people well. So sure. it's like it's really easy to like make tons of acquaintances. Yeah. But you, you know, with that said, I would say like when if you feel like a good vibe with somebody, like don't don't feel like it has to stop there just because you're colleagues. Right. You know, if, I mean, I've had I have a lot of friends in the industry that just started out as a colleague, where it's like, oh, he's another bartender, and then next thing you know, like, you know, I went to their wedding. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, man. and it's like, don't be afraid to like, you know, to cross over from a business relationship to a friendship. If, if the chemistry is there, yeah, and and the empathy is there, and people you sincerely care about this person, then pretty open with to it. it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good way to think about yeah. it. It's it's hard because we're all performing, 
you know, mm-hmm. in, in a way, right? To yeah, yeah. things, and sometimes it's hard to just take that mask off and be like, man, I feel like fucking shit right now. My yeah. body hurts. I don't feel very confident, you know? Stuff that yeah. happens as we get older, you know? It's really kind of interesting. But, man, we can t- we're going to talk about the podcast and the video series. We'll talk about the movie as well, which is here screening at the Alamo Draft House. South Lamar at 2 p.m. I feel like I get some radio things going on here. Yeah. But, dude, you know, you're a James Beard nominee. You've worked mm-hmm. in San Francisco, San Diego, Applied Provisions. But the, the New York, I have the bar. I know. Well, the New York, too, don't forget dude. about that bar. I know, Good no, because we got to talk about that, too, yeah. because you've got a fucking, like, rain here in the States. And I just wonder where this all started. You're, are you a Cali guy? Yeah, I grew up in Southern California. Um, you know, you know what it comes down to is I think it's like, I, I'm one of those people who I, I'm happiest when I'm like overwhelmed <laughs> with work. Like I, I, I do like a my workaholic, I think is what they call it. Kind of, but you know, it's like, it, it, I can't just, it can't just be work though. I have to be challenged. So it's like, you know, if I'm just doing grunt work, you know, 60 hours a week to me, right, that doesn't really challenging. do much for me. Like I, I need to be like challenged, you know, that's why I like bartending so much because yeah. every day is different. Something new, you, you know, it, it's something. like running bars and it's like, especially at this stage now, it's like where I feel like one day I'm helping to edit a movie yeah, and the other day I'm like, you know, bartending till, you know, till two in the morning. Another day I'm like looking over like schematics for like a, a bar build and yeah. it's just like, I like it because every day is different. So it allows me to, you know, not be a workaholic, but like it allows me to work a lot without experiencing fatigue from doing the same thing over and over that's a great point there's no there are no parameters the way you're yeah. talking about it's like, like well i want to learn about it still all right well get still design i'll go down to mexico you know what i mean yeah you know, just pick up something else because most of the time i think when people say they get sick of work it's because they're sick of like the repetition yeah but if it's a if it's different every day then it's like you're constantly being challenged is like, that why you look so youthful yeah I, I like to think so <laughs> for some reason you still have a smile <laughs> on your face after all of these years after all of this stuff going down but so what you're talking about southern california san diego originally or uh, yeah, I grew up just north of San Diego um, in a small, small town called Hemet. That's like between L.A. and Palm Springs. Yeah. What kind and, of, sorry, good. Yeah, it was, it was a good little town. It, was, it, was, it, it, my, it wasn't really that small of a town. It was like 100,000 people or something. Okay. But, you know, growing up as a kid, it's just Southern California that feels small. Yeah, it does. Because um, I guess between your San Diego, you know, between San Diego, L.A. and Palm Springs, it just right. feels like a smaller place. But, yeah, I had a good time growing up there. What kind of stuff were you? Were you like a skate kid? Were you a band kid? I was a weird kid, man. <laughs> I was a weird kid who got in a lot of trouble, but it was what I was one of those kids who was like I was like really nerdy and all I did was read. Yeah, um, what the hell were you? Classic literature? Choose your own adventure books. Ooh, I was about? reading crazy shit when I was a kid. Like there, uh, there there's this I forget the the name of the author, but there was like a Beatles book, like a biography. Oh, the one, the massive one, the seventeen hundred page one. Yeah, I read that in fifth grade. Are you kidding me? Yes, because of the love of the Beatles or music I love the Beatles. I was like obsessed with the Beatles from like. Maybe like second grade on till like till today. It doesn't ever go away. Does but it? but I just remember being being a kid. Like I was just a really strong reader. I wasn't good at sports or anything else. Yeah. Um. Because it turns out I needed glasses. Nobody knew. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I read that book. I read that book as, a, as in fifth grade. Because it's the one that talks about the song meanings and how it's all all, all of it. Yeah, and it talks up, about right? them like me and the Maharishi and taking it at uh, LSD and That's all that. And just like you know. And I remember like my teacher. Just being like, what the fuck is this kid reading? You like? Did you even like? Comp- so thinking about acid as a five year, or excuse me, not five, fifth no, grader? Dude. No, but I knew what it did. Yeah, it you did know, and shit. I ended up taking it just a few years later. Oh, you know? there you maybe, go. maybe not a few years later, but you know, <laughs> too it was soon. A few weeks. It was too a few soon. Weeks. Um, but you know, I I felt like, you know, as as a kid who like I grew up, I, I didn't grow up with a lot of money, and to me, like books were like an escape. Yeah. 
So it's like, you know, reading about, you know, even things like the mouse and the motorcycle and all these books and adventure. I, I, I definitely geared towards adventure. Yeah. And in science and like I was fascinated with like Bigfoot and UFO and all that stuff. And <laughs> they're, they're, it, it's I, good. I felt like that was my escape. That was my escape. And, yeah. you know, we didn't have the Internet back then. So and we had to do it you the know, old way. You had we to go to the like library and just, and just pour over the Dewey Decimal System until you found something you wanted. And something but it's, you it was funny because you'd find the nugget of those numbers like... I couldn't tell you what they mean now, but it's like the 500 to 505. And then if you that's couldn't find a book, right you were so bummed. Yeah, I know. You went, you're like, oh, it's missing. There's only five numbers. Yeah. Um, oh, analog world, man. It's yeah. It's totally different. So is that to, can I make the assumption that you mm-hmm. were pretty good at school then? If you, Yeah, if you well, read? until then all of a sudden, like, um, then in like eighth grade, the wheels just came off. Is it the girls? Yeah. I, I just, <laughs> I became a bad, I became like a, like a little truant. And yeah. I became a bad kid. And then, um, actually, I, I, Stopped going to high school a couple times and got kicked out a couple times. And ever regret that decision? No, I ended up going back. Believe it or not, I graduated on time. Oh, killer! I failed the first semester, completely failed, straight Fs. Yeah. My first, my the first semester of my junior year, my sophomore year. So, like, in order for me to graduate, then then by then I kind of started straightening myself out. By the my mid junior year, I was like, okay, cool, I need to graduate. So what I did was like, uh, I went to like a continuation school and took like a double load, which oh, is yeah. easier in continuation school. So I just did a bunch of stuff. Then I went to college over the summer. I took summer school and went to took two college night classes. Oh, killer! And then that's like almost like an entire semester right there. That's more than most people that were just <laughs> yeah, doing no. it regularly could do. And then that kind of blew my mind because the summer school was just like it was repetition. It was just like you know paraphrasing stuff out of these books. I'm yeah, like, this sucks. High school sucks. And then I was seventeen, right? And I was going just turned seventeen. I was going to um, night classes at the yeah. college, and they were like challenging me to think. What does this mean? Right. Writing a paper. Apply Why did it. this? Yeah, and then all of a sudden I was just, and I got, I got straight A's. I got A's in both college classes, and I got a B in the daytime high school That's class. That's incredible, yeah. And it was just like, I was like, whoa, college is cool. It's like they actually challenge you to, to think rather than just, you know, make you memorize yeah, facts and dates. And, and I remember it was funny because when I transferred those and used those credits to go back to college, like my guidance counselor at the time was like, oh, oh, that's curious. <laughs> You got two, You're the two A's. Opposite of what we're supposed to be doing here. Yeah, he was so mad. He he thought I cheated. He thought I like paid somebody else to take classes. Are you kidding classes. me? Yeah, oh. he accused me of it as well. Two been, two college my classes, face. dude. Yeah, he At accused night? me. Oh, that's bullshit. He accused me of like of cheating, and I was like, okay, whatever. We'll look into it if you want. You know? Or you're just smarter than they ever gave you credit for. Yeah, and then he just never followed up on it. So I knew he, you know, he he kind of put it all together. But it, it just reminded me, like. Like, this is actually how I try to treat my staff and stuff where it's like you need they need to be challenged intellectually yeah they need to be you can't just you can't just throw people into, into a position and be like okay you're trained you go to work right like staff needs to be constantly trained they need to be constantly stimulated they need I, I feel like you know it's the meaning of life is meaningful work absolutely you know or it's a life with meaning um, I've heard that expression before yeah and um it just reminds me where it's like you need to have something to challenge you. So it's like I try to operate all my business. It's part of a cult. It's part of a culture, right? Like yeah. You want to be a leader. You want them to be leaders. Good. You want to be motivated and learn new things where there is no ceiling. Yeah. Fucking that comes from you, which is very a true testament to the kind of guy that you. Yeah, man. You're just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I just told you more than I've ever said in any interview before. What really? It's awesome, man. See, all right, we're done then. I guess Derek. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but so I, I can, I can tell. That's the weird thing about school, and that's mm-hmm. why we're in a, and I'm not going to turn this into like a larger mm-hmm. political conversation, but people were like, education's fucked up. Yeah. Well, it's because the smart kid passed two college classes and you thought he cheated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's endemic. It's just this way we feel about kids. Like, just do the fucking work. 
You know, yeah, I, I feel like I, I feel like we handle two kids, especially the, I feel like this generation coddles children way too much. Yeah, yeah. They are way smarter than, than we give them credit for, totally. and they can deal with way more more than what we understand. Like, I mean, I remember, you know, like I mentioned growing up, you know, in, in that generation, it's like we had bikes, we had BMX bikes, and we, you know, your mom. My knees are fucked still. Would send you yeah. to the store. Like, I was seven years old. Hey, Eric, go to the store and buy some lemons. And right. I would, she'd give me money, and I just locked my bike up and a little kid going to the store. And like today, if I think if like a seven year old kid did that, they would call the police for like child endangerment. Yeah, doesn't it seem like just. Completely different world. Even though the world in the crime rate is drastically lower and yeah. the world is safer today, you know, America's safer today than it's ever been, yeah, right? In terms absolutely. of like crime rates. So, but I mean, it's just anything, I feel like it gave, it gives kids like a sense of autonomy. Yeah. Like if they're, they're not made of glass. Exactly. Let them lose, let them lose their bike and have it get stolen. Yeah. Right? I learned, yeah. My bike got stolen. And guess what? I learned Here a lesson from it. Don't fucking leave it outside. <laughs> right? It was heartbreaking. <laughs> it's all it was. It was heartbreaking, but it was one of the most valuable lessons I've ever seen it in my life. You know why? You don't know. Because it reminded me that life is not fair. Yes. And that sometimes bad things happen to good people and you just deal with it. But the, God, it's, it is always unfair. But if you look at it and you take a step back, it's just as bad as it is good. And yeah. it all evens out in the end. Yeah. And you have to think about it. You're like, okay. What could I have done differently to have prevented my bike from being stolen? <laughs> I could have blocked it. How many you times did you get a bike stolen after that? Never. 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 Lesson learned. Yep. You live and you learn, right? So was higher ed kind of the pursuit for you? So you mentioned the two college classes. Did you say, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to get a degree. Yeah. And then that, after that, I think I hadn't even really thought about college or anything at that stage. I was just like, I just need to graduate from high school. Yeah. Um, then, then I ended up going on. I ended up, you know, going to San Diego State. And then, while I was at San Diego State, this is was a big turning point. Uh, my roommate was was uh, waiting tables at this restaurant nearby. Uh-huh. I was like, "Oh, hey, man, you should come by. We're looking for a busser." Or, you know, yeah. and I was like, "Okay, cool. I, I need money. I need money." You know, because it's like minute working minimum wages. It wasn't cutting it. So I started busting tables. Next, thing you know, you know, as time went by, I moved my way up to pretty much every position there until I became a bartender. Yeah. Did you, was it interesting work for you? Like, ultimately? oh, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Were I you, loved. I love. I love everything about restaurants. Just it, it, you like people, I imagine too. Yeah, You're just a people person. And I just, I like the, I like the idea of just come in, sit down. We, we got you. Yeah, like there, there's something just transformative about that. Was it like that? Are you like really close to your family now? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Is it? something that you kind of learn at home. I think hospitality is somewhat learned, you know? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, a lot of it I think was cultural for me, and I, I don't know, but my, my parents, I'm Mexican-American, my parents came yeah. from Mexico, so I think there's something about the, just like the Latin culture that's just very like, you know, I've actually read a little bit of like some history books on it, and, and one of the theories has to go like, Mexico's climate can be pretty unforgiving, you know, right. you know especially in the 1800s, so the only way you could survive was by relying on your neighbor, that's and then right, your neighbor yeah. relying on you. So because of that, it's just like, oh, come on in here, have some food, have some bread. Here's a glass of water. Here's whatever we have to drink. And it's like everyone, everyone survives by sharing. So working together, you know, and then, you know, California, the entire Southwest pretty much being, you know, so, so heavily in, um, influenced by, you know, Latin culture. Yeah. I, I honestly feel like because of that, the residue is like what, what, what has influenced me so much in restaurants and bars where it's like people come into the bar like. Welcome to the bar. Grab a seat. You know, sir, we'll be with you in just a second. It's like a community. You know, everybody yeah. communicates. And it's like, I mean, it, 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 it's just, it's such a good feeling. I, I love, I love it when I walk into a venue and I'm, and I'm extended that courtesy. And so it's like a, a privilege and like a duty to offer the same when people come into my spaces. 
in a way it's like you were meant to do it so yeah. people it's weird because i really get this sense from you that this was your calling there was really not a lot of no doubt, right there was nothing else i was gonna do i talk to people all the time it's like yeah i was in sales like yeah oh, sales and like yeah and then i quit that shit well of course you do no one sticks in sales yeah, i know i know right but yeah. i mean do you ever feel do you ever like look back and reflect at stuff and say shit this has actually been a wonderful thing that life has given me this thing that i truly enjoy yeah, I don't think that there was. I don't think there was ever any point I thought I was ever going to do anything else. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So obviously, God, I mean, there's so many places <clears throat> that you've worked at. Is have has it been a pretty fulfilling experience and challenging? Like you've worked at Rick House, worked at obviously you've got Play Provision in San Diego. Mm-hmm. Is that stuff chat? Was it challenging? Like each step was each one have like this particular? It was a particular chapter of your. Yeah, life? I mean, all things are. Yeah, everything's going to be a challenge. And th- those are the, my favorite projects. You always want the projects to be a bit of a challenge. Um, otherwise, if they're not, then you're going to have a million competitors because everybody's going to want to do the same thing you're doing. Yeah, that's a good point. So you need to have something that sets you apart. So the, the, the big thing for us is that, you know, now looking at something like Rick House, a project that Rick House, you know, we're looking at, you know, eight years later. Yeah. It's easy to see why it was a success. You know, like, oh, such and such. Of course, we opened up a bar where there are no cocktail bars. Of course, it was going to do well, sure. well right? And everybody wants craft cocktails. But eight years ago... It was just like foodies and hipsters that drank craft cocktails, right? Um, massive overlap in demographic there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so, so when we opened Rick House, everybody was like, specifically, people were worried about it, Like, oh, it's not going to work there. The financial district, those guys, the dudes in the suits, they don't want to drink cocktails. They want like vodka Red Bulls. Right. So when we went into, the, into that place, you know, into that, into that location, we're like, how do we offer cocktails and make people drinks that we believe in? without compromising what we do whilst but while still reflecting the neighborhood yeah if there's one thing i i I hate and i cannot stand is when people open up they they shoehorn their product in the neighborhood that doesn't want it got it and then they blame the neighborhood that it's not busy oh yeah it's their fault you know it's like no it's your fault for not understanding your 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 clientele that's a really interesting parallel right now yeah so what we went into which is the mentality of like you know a lot of the cocktail bars back then were like no we don't make cosmo screw you and oh you know, Red Bull's the devil, right. whatever, right? Just people being yeah. dicks and stuff. So we went into that with the mentality. We're like, look, we're going to open. We're, we're not going to carry products we don't believe in. But at the same time, like we're, we're going to we're going to be humble. Right. And get, put good drinks in people's hands. Because it's not about us, right? No, it's, it's not. It's about the people, man. You know, yeah. it's, it's really, really strange because there's a, there's a few places that I just keep seeing more of this where it's like, oh, this product does this. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even fucking drink it. Pour it yeah. down your drain, dude. I mean... Get it's out not of a, here, man. It's stupid, right? Like, this is not about us. It's about our customers. Yeah, it's about good times. And even this, I mean, I mean, I drink good, good, so, I mean, I'm sorry. I drink good tequila, you yeah. know. Because well, you can, yeah. Because, because we can, because I know the product. But if I was, if I was at a party and someone hands me a shot of Cuervo Gold, I will drink it in a minute. You're not giving me like, a dick about it. No, it's like, it's about the hospitality. This person extended me a courtesy and right. I'm going to take it, you know? So it's like. We have to we have to remember it's like we're it's not we're not curing cancer here we're we're putting good drinks <laughs> in people's hands you know we're facilitating good times exactly right and if we can do it within parameters that we feel good about then you know all, all the better but just because I won't carry the product at my house or at my bar doesn't right. mean that I'm not going to drink it yeah exactly doesn't mean I'm not actually I'm I'm not going to like enjoy drinking it because I still will you yeah. know you're with friends absolutely <clears throat> so that's whiskey it's important like that, for people dude, to keep that in mind you know it, it really is and it, it's an interesting <clears throat> message and so I'm trying to like digging because you've you've do you ever you feel like a humble guy okay mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that would that, that have, have no achieved, reason not to be you know well no but this yeah. is because maybe you just understand that like don't take yourself so fucking seriously mm-hmm. yeah 
you're a comedic guy. What the hell? I mean, I was just reading about the Big Bang Theory yesterday, you know, <laughs> in depth. And you're just like thinking about in the beginning, you know, there was nothing. It all came from this speck. And yeah. who knows where the hell it's going to go hundreds of millions of years from now. Ever expanding. Like, no I mean, idea. when you think about just like craft cocktails, what a small speck we are and all that. In the scope of time, it reminds you like, hey, maybe chill the fuck out. I do. And just just have enjoy it. Things are yeah. constantly changing. <clears throat> Do you think that kind of these later chapters, because it's kind of where I'm catching you, I think plenty has been said about what mm-hmm. you've done at Plot Provisions. and But Boilermaker is kind of the recent chapter. When yeah. did you end up moving? Obviously, you probably knew plenty of people in New York. When did you end up moving out there? I was out there last year for about nine months. Yeah. And we still get back there pretty often. I, I, I love New York. New York. It totally. I mean, yeah. you talk about the balance, man. SoCal and then New York. Yeah. Completely different. Completely different. But I, I love New York and there's just something about that city. There's a vibrancy and like an electricity that flows through that city. Yeah. That's like it, it it's it's difficult to find anything like that anywhere in the world. I think so. Um but I just I love just like uh, I love I feel like whenever I walk around in Southern California I just walk way faster than everybody. <laughs> and I always always have. <laughs> and it, it's like my whole family, it's like except my mom, my whole family, we just walk really fast. Yeah. So it's like I love it. It's like when I go to New York, I'm like, oh, perfect. Everybody walks my I speed. I just belong. Go yeah. to London, dude. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> just people just like, you know, yeah. hogging the sidewalk. It drives me crazy. So there's something about, about the city that I just, you know, I feel like somebody like me who's super hyper and always likes to be busy. I fit right in there. It's perfect. And yeah. I can be around, surrounded by other people like me. Um, and, and I just, I like their, their whole, I like the, the approach of drinking. Like, I feel like, especially coming up, you know, New York cocktail scene was just always such an inspiration to me. Yeah. Where it's like, I felt it was very about very classically driven you know absolutely it's about like doing a lot with a little and mm-hmm. just understanding that the technique is just as important as the ingredients Dude, if not more so we'll go back to the beatles for a second yeah. right i use this analogy a yeah. lot so you listen to abbey road no sorry mm-hmm. not wrong example revolver yeah simple really pretty deconstructed obviously mm-hmm. george martin did a shit ton of editing but then yeah. go into let it be phil Spector thinks mm-hmm. it's gotta be strings on everything let's yeah, get some right? bells and stuff and then how did that it really destroys the root idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just mm-hmm. overclouds. It doesn't have to be that complicated. No. Are you a guy that prefers three perfect ingredients versus, I already know the answer to this, but three perfect ingredients to seven really esoteric and wild ingredients? Yes. Yeah. I, 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 like, I like drinks. I like drinks where all the ingredients shine. Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't mean like, you know, I'll have a zombie or something, right? With like, right. you know, 11 ingredients, 12 ingredients. And... And, you know, it, it creates this, like, really, it creates a zombie. You taste it, like, that's a zombie, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that creates, like, a, you know, it's almost like you, you take all these ingredients yeah. to, to create one big flavor, right, right. That, that flows through. But, I mean, I like it with, you know, speaking for, you know, for, for most cocktails, I like to taste all the, all the ingredients themselves, especially yeah. the spirits. So sometimes when someone hands me a drink with, like, eight ingredients, I taste it. And I'm like, you could change this. I don't even know what this base spirit is. Right. You could change it to anything no one would notice. Like, it, say it's like a, a, you know, a bourbon drink. I'm like, you could change this cognac to like aged rum or cachaça and nobody Wouldn't would matter. Yeah. Maybe cachaça something yeah. else. But you're like, because, and it's not just that, it, it's not because, you know, we can't taste this, we, we don't know of spirits, but it's rather because like the spirit is so buried under a thousand flavors that makeup, it's like, makeup, it really makeup, doesn't makeup, become, man. you know, it's like those drinks sometimes I think can, can be guilty of masking the flavor Sure. Of this of the spirit rather than enhancing it, and you almost wonder if that's like conceived by the big companies to hire. You know, yeah, true. <laughs> you right? know what I mean? Like maybe now I don't know. I think people get way too involved creatively with stuff, mm-hmm. and they're just like, oh, I'm just gonna add this and this and this. But a great artist knows one thing, and that is when to stop. Yeah. Also, 
I'm also a believer in like what what needs to be stripped away. Like sometimes I'll come up with a cocktail, and then I'll be like, okay, or my staff, and we're like kind of you know running it through the gauntlet. Yeah. And we think like, okay, what what is not essential? What needs to come out of this drink? Yeah. You know, because sometimes I find that we start to start up habit. We start adding more stuff, like we're making a pot of stew or something. <laughs> right. And and it actually like compromises the drink at a certain stage. I think so too. I mean, it's like that. There's a quote, the old Michelangelo quote, where you know somebody asked him like, "Hey, um, how do you like sculpt something?" Like, I'm looking at David. How do you sculpt it? And then Michelangelo was like, "Oh, it's really easy. I just start with the big marble slab and I chip Thanks. away everything that's not David." Yeah, that's you know? a brilliant way to look. Where at it's it. like, okay, wow, I think yeah, um, you know. But it, it's it's that same perspective where it's like when I'm looking at a cocktail, it's like, what doesn't belong here? Yeah. And then eventually you strip it back, and then eventually you're going to hit a point where. You strip so much, it, it lost a little bit. It, it lost something. You're like, okay, now add that back. Then you know exactly then how that's far. where we were yeah. supposed to stop. You it's, know? A, it's a brilliant way to, it's a reductive mm-hmm. thing instead of an additive. Because people keep, it's the same thing with music. I go with music all the time. Adding. But, dude, you just keep adding. You can't, you lose, I can't hear the bass now. Right? Yeah. It's the same thing. And the bass line might have been the best, one of the best parts of the song. Well, always. Well, it depends. Yeah, sure. Yeah, dude. You know? But you're right. And you could just, the true heart of the drink, <clears throat> the true narrative of it is completely muddled. Yeah. You know? So with Boilermaker, and every time you open up a new concept, and this is mm-hmm. the second that you've opened, yeah, it's yours, um, right? Yeah, second, that's mine, yeah. Yeah. Do you keep thinking, I need to reinvent myself? Or is it just, what do the neighborhood, what does the neighborhood, the people need? Yeah, definitely. I guess the, the best way to put it, this is the way I think about it. If you have one concept in mind, and you're you know, a potential bar owner, this yeah. is my concept, I'm going to do this. And then, then you find a location. You're like, okay, cool. This is where I'm putting this bar. You've already done it wrong. Interesting. Okay. What you need to do is, is when you find a location, then you're like, this is a good location. What does this neighborhood need? Ah, yeah. Because then you'll, then you'll totally understand it, right? Like, um, say where I used to work, Bourbon and Branch, San Francisco. Fantastic bar. Does great. It's an institution. Been there for you know, 10, 11 years. Mm. That bar is going to do. That bar did great where it's at. If we open that across the street from the local college it might not do so well. Because right. you know what? College kids don't want to speak easy. We have to sit down and be quiet. They want a place, you know, there, a lot of these kids are working part-time and they're taking full loads. Like they're stressed out. They want to let loose on the weekend. Yeah. So what they want, they want a college bar or a place to get really good drinks, you know, or, you know, where they can party and have fun and be loud. Right. Um, so maybe you're like, maybe a concept of a bar that's like, that's like a party bar with good drinks might work there. Sure. Or maybe just a regular sports bar. So it's important to just always know what each neighborhood is, is looking for and what it needs. Yeah, so you're, you're, I think you're right. Like, don't, I'm not going to make you think that I'm the right thing. I'm going to mm-hmm. cater. Again, it's about ourselves or the community versus mm-hmm. ourselves. Right? Or, I mean, another way of doing it is maybe they could do a speakeasy there, but the speakeasy would be in the back of a, of a bar. Right, and that's like, to the, yeah. You know, you see that a lot in D.C. where they have like a split concept bar. Right. It's like the downstairs is like, you know, cornhole and beer like right. beers and real simple cocktails that are good right and then the back room is like reservation only and it's a smaller area but it's like so you kind of get the best of yeah, both worlds two tempos there yeah you because otherwise you can't just go in a neighborhood and just tell them what they need to have that's fucking you know that, that's yeah. silly that, that that's silly and then you know th- then they complain that it's not busy and they're like, right. oh, the neighborhood doesn't understand us it's like no you don't understand your neighborhood how long did it take you to learn that you think because no one comes out of the gate knowing that shit i don't know I think, well, I used to DJ, oh, so I think okay. that, might have, that might have something yeah. to do with it. That might have something to do with yeah, it. Yeah, people are really, really <clears throat> downers right now Yeah, it's because of what you're playing, man. Yeah, right? Where I, I did used to DJ, and I would get mad in my mind because I was like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop, like, I'm going to do these really crazy mixes, man. Right. 
and no one's gonna understand it. it's gonna be so cool and then when when you're in a room of like a bunch of people like you you're like they're all digging it. like oh sure. man that's so cool you know and then but then you, you know you do a, a you play for like a wedding crowd they just want to dance and they think michael you're crazy. jackson that's all they want man yeah you know and it's like but that doesn't mean that you can't play good cuts for them just because they want to dance right yeah um so I think honestly that's probably one of the one of the big influences on me. In I think that makes that. a lot of sense. I think yeah. maybe it's funny because <clears throat> there are a good amount of DJs in this industry, man. Yeah. People that were doing live music, people that were like no educator to others. Yeah. Which then kind of brings me to the question, you know, I think about podcasts, I think about having interpersonal kind of communication with people. Your bartenders mm-hmm. at large, which was a series, it's now being translated into a larger film, which mm-hmm. again we'll be see seeing here in just a moment. This kind of chapter, was it something you have an inclination to be a therapist. Do you want to get into no. <laughs> TV, radio? Where does this no, kind of spark come from? I, I mean, I, I'm open to do anything, just as long as it's always like related to the bar yeah. and cocktails. Like, um, just just because I feel like that that's where my heart's at, and that's what I'm that's what I'm in love with. So, like to me, when I see, when I see like the the online series or the film, those are just that's just my passion for bar for the bar. Yeah, you know, manifested into something visual or um, you know. In terms of like podcast but I, i'd be open to do just about anything just as long as it related back to, to, to food and food drink in some way and people yeah but that's the thing i think though what's <clears throat> interesting about podcasts right so mm-hmm. a lot of the people say oh you just talk about the industry I'm like well yeah kind of but we're all people right we're fucking yeah. people we're people serving people if we're bad people mm-hmm. we're not going to be good people to the people we're serving yeah. et cetera, et cetera. so i almost feel like as things evolve, the series maybe increases. You said you're just around about a year now. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. A great milestone. That maybe you will start like talking to actors. You will start talking to athletes. If, just if it's in terms of cocktails. <laughs> 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 that, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. That just actually talk to like, you know. But you're like, going to. All right, Matt Damon. <laughs> when did the old fashioned really, you know, <laughs> knock your socks off? And put down that white wine, Matt. Let's talk about the old fashioned. You know, because I feel like it, you have to have a passion for it. So I feel like as long as everything's like ties back to food and drinks and somehow, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm happy. You're comfortable with, it. with that, yeah. And also, I, I, I still think, to a large extent, um, so, so much of so much of the, of um, like good cocktails in the cocktail world, so much of us is still like kind of a little bit insulated. Yeah, you know, um, obviously that, that that that's changing rapidly um, across the country. But it's like I, I like it when when I go to, I guess I guess when I go to a place where I wouldn't expect a good cocktail, yeah, you know, and you get an amazing drink. Like, look at this. Look at the Alamo. They got amazing cocktails. Amazing man. drinks. It's incredible. And it's at a movie theater. I'll tell you what. Like ten years ago, if you told someone like you can get an amazing, you know, amazing cocktail, right, a perfectly made Boulevardier at a movie theater while you're watching Doctor Strange, people think you're crazy. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. Like, get out I'm here. watching no. Medea. And getting incredible gimlet. Yeah, exactly, what the fuck is right? going on? Dude? Exactly. It's almost strange, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I love it, man. It's amazing. It's a great. It shows a lot of progress. You know. Does does the insular nature of the information and kind of the social element of this mm-hmm. industry is that one of the impetus for you saying, "All right, I want to do a movie. I want to share this with other people." Because once you go to the movie medium, you can share it with anybody. Yeah. Well, I mean, really, I think that thing that was so that made us so happy about making Bartender Large documentary. Is that it, it reminded us, it showed us like, look, dude, there, there's amazing cocktails being made everywhere now. Like you go to yeah. Boise, Idaho. I've had cocktails in Boise that were just as good as anything I've ever had in London or Singapore. It's amazing. Right? Um, amazing service, great drinks. And it, it's, it's, it's only going to continue to happen. I mean, look, I mean, while I was on the road trip, I was at like some random little truck stop in like Santa Fe, yeah. outside of Santa Fe, actually. 
and they had like single origin coffee you know really and you're like if you told somebody that you know 15 years ago they would have thought you're crazy and, you know coffee was a little burnt but whatever <laughs> <laughs> but hey but it was better than anything that ever would have been available it? yeah it's better than like you know any of the instant stuff that you would have had just you know as recently as a few years ago yeah so it just reminds me like the world's changing you know and it's important for the cocktail community to understand that and adapt to it otherwise you know i feel like a lot of the people in like the cocktail establishment are going to be left behind and become irrelevant yeah i think you're right and in terms of your role in the production of the mm-hmm. film are you producer are you director have you written mm-hmm. some of it out what, what exactly did you want to achieve with mm, yeah well i directed it but that i don't <laughs> I, probably just because I couldn't afford a director. <laughs> Dude, that's how all the early Casavetti's work stuff. So, you know, good on you. Yeah, I, I never was like, oh, man, I want to be a film director. It was just more like, man, who's going to do this well me? If you tell me it's like, oh, well, I'm going to stay real close to the industry. But it's like, wait a minute. You just became kind of a video host. Yeah. All right. Okay, fine. Yeah, it's about yeah. the industry. You're a movie director now. <clears throat> I'm really not sure that you're not going to be Hollywood, man. <laughs> yeah right dude <laughs> all right man yeah but we'll see man well if someone wants to, wants to pay me to make a movie man like, uh, i'll make one yeah I'll, I'll direct one of the next marvel movies let's see that's good yeah. good money in it everybody the directors <laughs> have must it'll probably be the worst one because i'm utterly unqualified <laughs> for it but whatever why the fuck is captain american drinking again <laughs> he's not getting anything done in this sequel right? yeah. is that a zombie <laughs> yeah. You, you, yeah all the cocktail references but um well, so you the the Tell me some of the cities that you've been screening the movie at. Oh man, we've screened it all over. We've we've screened it. Um, the furthest away is London. Oh, killer! So we screened it in London. Then we've done um, San Francisco, New York, L.A., Chicago, Denver, uh, San Diego. I think it's a lot of these. Are all That's kind of, a lot, kind of though. together. Yeah, then we did Dallas. We're doing Austin today. We're Houston tomorrow. Wow. Then starting next week, we're going to do like another twelve cities. That's crazy. Yeah. What do you? I will tell you this, man, about yeah, yeah. making a movie that I've realized this now, is that like making the movie is like the easiest part of it. Then it's like, then how do you get in front of people? Oh, right, Which is right. what we didn't realize. So it's like, okay, cool. You made this awesome movie right on. It's like, oh, cool. Now who's going to see it? And you're like, oh, man, I, right, I got to put yeah. this in front of people. <laughs> yeah. I don't just have like a marketing department that does this. You're like, no. <laughs> Not if you're directing. No, you don't, money, you don't yeah. have that. So I will say it's like, had we known how much work it was going to be, we never would have made it. Yeah. But now that I've done it, we're going to do it again. That's incredible. Is yeah. it a sequel? Is it a installment? What, what kind of Ken Burns War kind we'll of stuff? We'll see, man. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. 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 We'll, we'll see what happens. We have a few ideas we're batting around right now. That's killer. But it, whatever we do, it'll be in the same vein. Same you know? vein. Yeah. Still really close to the heart with yeah. food and wine. All right. Well, so we're going to... This is great. we got about 20 minutes. We're going to go and check this movie out, doing a Q&A. There's a happy hour at Half Step afterwards, which, of course, by the time this airs, people will mm-hmm. have to just go get fucking regular drinks at Happy yeah. Hour. Yeah, yeah, true. Half Step. But... You're married, mm-hmm. and you've been traveling a whole lot. Mm-hmm. How does that, again, a common thread of a lot of people, man, it places a lot of strain on the marriages when it's that kind of thing, like husband's gone, wife's gone. Yeah. How's it been? Well, I'm lucky because my, my wife works with, works with me. Oh, good. So she, she comes with me on all these trips. Oh, I mean, good. we even have our dogs with us. Our dogs flew out Do here you really? are staying at the Airbnb. That's incredible. So, yeah, we, 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 I try to make sure that, I mean, we're going to be on the road for the a long time probably solid nine months promoting this movie Damn. um so because of that we want to make sure we can feel at home as possible yeah without you know anybody getting too stressed out or feeling like they're missing out so my, my wife is pretty much you know that's uh, perfect she, she was a producer for the film as well so you know she joins me on the q a and yeah helps with everything then the dogs are just there to make the it dogs even it. make a cameo appearance in the film as <laughs> well 
<laughs> yeah. I saw some dog food bowls on the stage. Perhaps maybe yeah, they enjoy the Q&A. They, they don't join us, yeah, for uh, the onstage question and answer. But. Well, it's incredible, dude. I, I think the most exciting thing for me, and mm-hmm. you've done a lot of work. You've been recognized in a mm-hmm. lot of different ways. But that target is always moving, moving one from yeah. before you, you know. Always. And I have no fucking idea what you're gonna do next. Like, <laughs> me neither, this man. is like it's like <laughs> word salad. I have no. Is, is he gonna make a country record? Like what the fuck? I don't know, happen? man. I don't know. You know, I always just try try to tell myself like as long as I always tie it back to cocktails. Yeah. And you know, hospitality like I, it, it's always gonna be a natural extension. You know. Yeah, because you love it. Yeah, it's what we love. That's killer, man. It's really been a pleasure talk, talking to you. And thanks so much for showing up today. Yeah, brother. Thanks for having thanks me, man. For, we're going to go. we got to get a drink. we got to see this great movie, man. Bartenders yeah. at Large, 2 p.m. Really looking forward to it. Eric. And uh, guys, don't forget to check it out. Oh, please. Um, go to uh, bartenderatlarge.com for more information on uh, tour dates, uh, the online series, and t-shirts. Absolutely. We'll make sure to cross-link and do marketing for each other. Oh, right on, man. Thank you I so do. much. Thanks, Eric. So there we have it, Mr. Eric Castro, Plight Provisions, Boilermaker NYC, Simple Serve Consulting, Management Brand Consulting, all of these great projects. Eric is always expanding his mind he's learning how to be a filmmaker he is now an accomplished podcaster it was great to interview a fellow podcaster and eric i really appreciate you taking the time to sit and chat with me before the screening of bartender at large i think you're rallying the troops you're creating a great avenue for people to talk and express themselves honestly about the things they're experiencing in this industry whether it is isolation whether it is health problems whether it is social anxiety lots of different things and it was great to sit and chat with you before the screening of your film bartender at large it was a great film you did a great job with the sound and the video production and i'm not sure what you can't do and frankly that's a little bit threatening from one podcaster to another so thanks everybody for listening to show to v with mike g no matter which workout you're thinking about constructing before you head into work every monday wednesday and friday or if you're thinking Orange is the New Black is pretty good, but is it that good to sit through yet another season? Please keep dancing.